0: Look. Well, people coming into wow. the room from the waiting room. The only person we don't have, of course, is Oliver.
1: Yeah, well, there's that. But we're expecting people to come.
0: Yeah, you know, you know uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna attribute that to transatlantic. Um, you know, technical issues.
1: <laughs> Except that Wendy was here early. <laughs> <Yeah>. She's <a, laughs> even yeah. she she totally further really, away.
0: Just want to be careful about this bit. You know, she's
2: no even point.
1: further away. Exactly right.
2: <laughs> hey, that didn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and before you know, and Wendy, before we you know even start, while we're waiting on Oliver here, and I see people joining, you know, we we need to get the lowdown on the Norwegian Santa Claus hat. And
2: oh, it is. Well, you can notice the lovely pattern, the Norwegian pattern on it. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really have a lot of choices, so I had to buy this one because I live in Norway. And you'll also notice I have a nissa behind me. It's not a Santa; it's a nissa. Is, it's so like a gnome, he, what? It, Norwegian gnomey kind of guy uh, that likes to come out at Christmas and the winter solstice. So. Is, is, that's I'm not ready. like
0: that's not like Krampus or something. He's not coming to like you know steal the children or something, is he? I hope not.
2: Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank
1: Thanks. Let's just take it right there. Welcome everybody showing up here. Um, and that's it. Thank you,
0: everybody. Have a nice great- <laughs>
1: Welcome everybody, by the way, let's let's acknowledge that some folks decided to spend an hour with us and uh, welcome. Thank you for all for being here. Uh, let's let's pretend that we know how to chat. We're not, we've kind of locked our video. Hopefully we've got you guys muted and that's mostly to kind of keep the stuff from getting wacky on us. We're also on YouTube for those who, uh, um, you know, maybe you want to share this with your friends or let folks know you're here. There is the YouTube link. I just stuck that in there. That's the ability to kind of watch us live over there. Um, I stuck it up on my Twitter feed as well. The one thing I wanted to say, what was the one thing I wanted to say, Chris, besides ugly sweaters, besides this?
3: Uh, Oh, where are you?
1: Well, we got you all muted and we will unmute you as we need, if that makes sense. Um, But we're letting you start video and that kind of stuff. But we'd love for you to use the chat to ask questions or to just be part of the conversations. But how do we get you started and we just have everybody stick inside the chat? Where in the world are you? Because I don't know. I mean, some of you I know and some of you I don't know. And maybe you want to know each other. So I think you should be able to go into the chat and kind of tell us where in the world you are. There we go. Dan got us started off in Fort Collins, Colorado, and Elizabeth in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I know that Cole Winder is in Toronto. Oliver, you're in the UK today. I guess you. That's why he's wearing a jumper and not a sweater. Um, Brian in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And of course, Wendy is in Norway, Portland, Tennessee. And of course, Greenville, South Carolina. All right. Uh, that was just kind of the orderly stuff. Folks will come and go as we go along. Oh, my gosh. There's, a, <laughs> there's Shashi Sharmali back to the... <laughs> I just saw him show up in the waiting room. Remember how we get Shashi, everybody? How do we get Shashi to show up rub, on a call?
0: We rub the lamp. We rub the you lamp. You rub the lamp appears. and Shashi yeah.
1: Sharmali from uh, seasons, I don't know. Was that one and two or three? Something, one, two, and yeah. three. Yeah, yeah back shows then, up. So.
0: In the past.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome
0: Chris Lockhart. Very much. Um, Yes, thank you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Consultants Saying Things. I am Chris Lockhart. We have Phil Yanoff. We have Wendy Keene. We have Oliver Kronk. Welcome to the holiday edition of the podcast. We actually have, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that we actually have a live audience There are folks on the Zoom that we invited, and we've got some folks actually watching on YouTube, which is great as well, uh, being live streamed. So, this is kind of a new and different thing for us. Um, And so, you know, we wanted to take. you know, typically when we do these sorts of things, you know, the end of the year, it's the last episode of the season. And, you know, we tend to do like a little holiday special, kind of reflect on the year, kind of look into 2022 or the, the upcoming year. A little different this time. We wanted to talk about consulting, the careers that are available in consulting today, kind of a unique time with the great resignation and all sorts of disruption going on, right? Here's an opportunity for folks that maybe have are thinking end of the year, you're kind of thinking about next year. Maybe you're thinking about, hey, I might want to get involved in consulting going into the next year. We want to talk a little bit about that. But you may also already be in consulting and considering like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about maybe making a change, a different type of consulting, um, going from technical consulting to some other form. Um, So we want to talk a little bit about that and maybe some opportunities in that space. Uh, Of course, you may want to be leaving consulting. Um, some of us have had that experience, right? Um, some of us got sucked back into it. But you, you may be thinking about what does that exit look like? How do I get out of this? What do I do after the uh, this type of work that I've been doing for so long? So that is the topic today. Um, you know, first of all, guys, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, um, good to see you all in festive spirit we're in an echo chamber, right? The four of us, we talk to each other. We all agree, violently agree with each other. It's a um,
4: transatlantic echo chamber, but I guess
1: it's still an echo yeah. chamber. It's a special I, 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 relationship. What show are you talking about exactly? I'm not so <laughs> sure of that.
0: Um, we thought, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to get some other insight. And so we've got a couple of folks um, just joining us and uh, we're going to be asking them uh, sort of for their insight and you know we may agree with each other and we will violently disagree with them and um, just you know totally shut them down I think it'll be perfectly fine we'll go from there um, but listen um guys i don't I, you know I want to just give you uh, the floor for just a minute or two. what are your thoughts on this it, it, it seems like a unique time right in you know year two of this pandemic we have all of this disruption continuing to go on it seems like people are still looking for work. Um, that uh, you know maybe is different than what they've done before. What's your perspective, Oliver? Let, let's get let's get the English approach uh, viewpoint perspective here first.
4: Well, uh, nice yeah, jumper I, by the way. Thank you. I, I I didn't have time to find my hat, so apologies for that. A jumper was the quickest thing I could grab. Anyway, the UK perspective on uh, consulting market. Well, I'm obviously a little bit distant from it uh, now. I, w- I work with consulting partners in my in my current role, and I'm still in touch with a lot a lot of uh, former colleagues. I think you're right. It's gone through a a big change the last couple of years. I think there is a lot of reflection going on. It's interesting to see the different firms in the UK talking about different policies around whether people will work from the office or or client site or so on. So a lot of a lot of the big consulting firms sort of changing you know policy on that quite you know flip flopping on it quite a bit at the moment, which I think is sort of driving a bit of frustration. but I, but I, but I think generally uncertainty and change is is, is a good thing for consulting firms, right? It, organizations need to be guided. They need strategy advice. They need various other services to kind of help them get through the other side. So I think the consulting market is looking pretty, you know, pretty good. Um, but people's attitudes about whether they want to continue in this in this, uh, you know, area, I think very much depends on how much they've reflected during this time. Where, as you said, the, you talked about the echo chamber, Chris. I think people's sort of worlds have shrunk and they've perhaps mm. taken stock. And uh, And I, I certainly talked to quite a few people who are thinking about that. What's interesting is someone I know um, has gone down to a four day uh, week with their company and the, and the extra one day on a Friday, they do other things. And he has actually just published a book, a kids children's book, which is really, really sweet. And he's just put it on Amazon and it's on sale ready for Christmas. And that's a really interesting example of someone not quite getting fully out of consulting, but they're doing a side hustle thing right. one day a week. So. There's some interesting things going on out there that I'm seeing.
0: That's fascinating. And I mean, you know, you're in a big company having done consulting in the past, right? Wendy, you are doing consulting, continue to do consulting. What's your what's your 2-minute take here on this real quick?
2: Mm-hmm. What's the Norwegian yeah.
0: perspective?
2: Oh, well. Um, I'll, give, I'll give my sort of global perspective anyway. But um, <clears throat> so Oliver, I, I agree there's there's so much change that organizations need to be guided through, so I think that's a lot of the opportunity as well as um I, th- I think my watchword is is opportunity, right in this time, both from being able to set a little bit more of our terms, right? You, Chris, you already alluded to the great resignation and um, Oliver, you already um, alluded to to hybrid working. But even as I think about the episodes that we've had this year, um, remember we had an episode around sustainability consulting and how much that is increasing. So there's new opportunities there. We also had an episode that I think back to around um, you know, entrepreneurship and different models of consulting and, and the, the true ability today to be able to work on your own and kind of make your own way like never before with the, the technology and the digital that we, that we have as well. So I think the outlook is good. And I think the options are bigger than they ever have been.
0: Phil, you deal with, uh, well, should we call them the cats? We deal with cats all the time, right. That are, <laughs> that are looking for work. Right. And, um, You know, I was wondering if you've got a a view on this, because I know we talk about this quite often, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the thing that I see, right, and I'm running events, right. Even though, even though we went from doing them live and in person to doing them digital, we've been doing this for a year now, um, but we still see lots of people who are looking for that next gig, and we have lots of people who are looking to hire them. So, I think it is a vibrant market at the moment, and uh, you know, again, it's always better, right, to to jump in when when it really is vibrant like this. And when I why I, I think it's vibrant is there are opportunities to kind of jump in and there might even be internship or apprenticeship or training programs attached so that, you know, if you're looking to get in, I mean, this is, might be a good time to grab a hold of some firm that can actually help you understand the gig even better. So I, I think this is a good time to be doing this.
0: I want to bring in, um, uh, an acquaintance of Phil and I. Uh, his name is Joel McCrate. Um, he is here. Where can we bring him up, Phil, and unmute him? I'm not sure. Oh, there he is. Hey, Joel. Um, you know, so, so good, Yeah, yeah. You, and we're getting better as as time goes on. Uh, how you doing, Joel? Uh, listen, I, you know, I wanted to get sort of your take on you know because you you kind of work. I know you you work in the consulting space and and, and with technical consultants, but you also have worked in the past and do stuff today on the front end, right. As people are thinking about getting into this career and thinking about like, well, Hey, maybe I want to do this. Um, I kind of want to get you. Well, first of all, you can tell us what you do and you can plug your company too while while we're at it. But, you know, I was, I was wondering if maybe you had some insight and whether, you know, is anything really fundamentally different now from your perspective in the hiring
5: process?
6: Well, sure. There's been, you know, a lot of changes and, and hi, I'm Joel McCright, and I'm with Tier Four Group, and our company's based out of Atlanta. I'm based in Greenville, South Carolina, and we do IT staff at a core. We do IT staffings, IT talent, you know, uh, provide that talent to companies, and so we uh, have a, a ton of recruiters. We can't hire enough recruiters right now, you know, and um, uh, but and we do some other IT services and so forth into and, and, and consulting and things, but. Um, uh, but yes, there's been so many changes, so it's hard to address all of those, right? But in general speaking, you know, the market ebbs and flows, and the market is incredible. I mean, uh, a year ago, uh, outside of IT, we, we specialize only in IT, but just jobs in general in the U.S., for instance, there were 5 million, uh, around halfway through um, uh, 2020, there were 5 million unfilled jobs. Well, and that's doubled, that was doubled in 2021, you know, about 10, over 10 million jobs, Right. Um, unfilled and people are just incredibly hiring. Um, And that was the case before the great resign or whatever, you know, and those issues. So all the dynamics are changing at warp speed, right? But I can tell you that this was an absolute candidate market. And some of our clients can't seem to wrap their, they still, some of them can't wrap their heads around the fact that salary amounts, for instance, have changed since May and since June. I mean, what, you know, five, $15,000 more a year, you know, so we're seeing a lot of uh, changes in um, uh, in the amount, you know, of uh, salary amounts. Um, and I will say that uh, some of the dynamics uh, to include um, the work from home, around around 75% of all IT people, uh, in the IT career are like, are, are pretty much hardcore. I'm going to work from home now. You you know, the old saying, you give the devil an inch and he will take a mile. Well, because of the pandemic, they're like, and they see how productive they were. And, and many of the best companies, like I have a client that they were so hardcore, um, all their IT staff. Had to be located in the in you know in the area and on site etc cetera, etc. Cetera, when the pandemic happened, and then I talk, I talked to that I had lunch with that IT leader, and he's like, man, we will never go back. He's like, my my people are more productive than they've ever been, and now I can hire talent from all across the country instead of just who will move here or who's living in our local. So I could go on and on and on, Chris, about the changing dynamics, but I will say this to the I think around because it, it with us with consulting. I believe when the market's not good, more consultants are made when, when, when people lose their job and they go, you know, I'm kind of tired of this mess. I'm going to take control of my own destiny and I'm just going to start consulting when times are bad. And then as the economy comes back and hiring comes back, they start flourishing if they've done a good job with building that company. And I've, d- I've built a company like that myself. Right. You know, but, um, but I'll say that that's a factor. But right now, a lot of consultants, I think, have a tendency to leave. And the reason being, are there's so many of those jobs that I was talking about. Right. So they get tired of the push and the grind. We, we know that the, the cowboys, cowgirls, the mavericks, whatever you want to call them, you know, that like that control of the destiny. But you're right. When you're offered a job that's paying 30 uh, percent more than it was paying a year, t- a couple of years ago, and you can work from home. Uh, and you can get your benefits and do this kind of thing. And you have that certain security. Um, a lot of people are are taking those gigs.
1: You know, you are seeing a lot of growth in a lot of spaces. And I get that. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what are you finding? You know, and obviously we're talking to a tech and consulting audience, but what are the roles that have been hardest for you to fill, right? I mean, because you're you you you're one of those guys that's going to know where the pointy end of the stick is on this.
6: You know, yeah. Um, it, it it seems to always come down uh i mean there's there's always these weird and hybrid roles and exceptions and things like that um but i will say in general speaking the real huge growth has been in it security for obvious reasons right uh i mean you see everyone getting hacked here left and right and losing this and access to that and um you know even um you know water uh a, a, a organization that does water for a community gets hacked and their water gets poisoned. You know I mean? Like crazy things are happening these days. So the huge growth in uh, cyber security, and we have clients that are even willing to take people with lesser, you know, um, they just an IT person that just started specializing. Well, we'll take them, we'll take them and we'll, we'll pay for their training just so they'll become cyber experts and we'll have talent. So uh, yes, that, and always software development because software development you have so many different platforms and languages um, that people develop. It's hard. You know, you got to find that person with that niche, but in general for years, we've had not enough Java developers and are not enough. Net developers or but now we've, you know, Python, we have so many other different languages and, and um, react node, mobile platforms and things like that. So there's just not enough of talent. And uh, that's why our company's involved with like women in it um, to, um, just to try to boost. I mean, Providing free training to, um, to for instance, for, for to get more females into IT to create new talent. Because we, you know, I believe that if we could just get enough women and uh, folks of different diversities involved in IT, uh, it would solve that labor shortage. Anyway, that was a really long answer. I'm sorry, Phil. You've,
4: you've uh, uh, touched on a couple of areas there that, that are really close to my heart. I mean, the subsecurity space is clearly where where uh, I'm, I'm operating. But also the females and diversity in IT is a, is a massive one. And actually Wendy and I recorded um, uh, a panel recently with an all- female panel. so it was good to be outnumbered. I was just facilitating. And, um, and that's come off the back of a couple of videos that we've been doing for bit tomorrow on getting women uh, more inspired into IT. because I think if you can't see people like you in the role, then uh, you perhaps are less inclined to go, yeah, I can do that. I, I, I think from my discussions with, with people like Kimberly St-Pierre, who is a colleague of mine at Tanium, um, she, she says she wants to be that role model so that people can see uh, ladies doing this sort of work and then they will aspire because you, you can't be what you can't see, I think was the phrase. Right. Is Is that something that you're kind of seeing? Are you sort of seeing, because I personally am seeing more successful ladies in technology, which is fantastic and it's long overdue, are you now starting to see people kind of more inspired to kind of get into tech in in that in those other minority areas and um, sort of diff- different sort of backgrounds? Is that something you're seeing change? We are seeing a lot of that, right? And I'm also seeing a lot of our clients um,
6: specify, you know, um, their desire to have to diversify their team, it, mm-hmm. even though it was on paper and people would say it, you still had clients, and it was not even a, honestly. although it was known and there was an attempt and maybe even a diversity department and all this stuff, I don't think it was real until the last couple of years because the labor market got so short. And I think we were hounded with this message for over and over and over to where we're like, you know what? We really should just start taking some serious action on that. Right. So, and I, so yeah, I hear weird clients. They're like, please bring us a diverse pool of candidates. You know, uh, and you know, and you know. I know you can't hire based on sex, religion, and, and and gender, and things like that, right? But you you know, you can certainly make sure and ensure that those folks are are are, um, are candidates for your positions. You know, and you can certainly give them the opportunities if you feel like they have uh, the right skill sets and, and can be developed. So, you know, but we're seeing that. You know, plus our activity with women in IT, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we, you know, every six months we have a we, we, we provide, we don't, but I mean, we, we sponsor, but we have a group of companies, but we, you know, they sponsor, um, you know, a dozen women getting free training, like for instance, in cybersecurity, and then they're, they're given laptops and they're given jobs. And these are all single mothers of lower income, right? Just to give an opportunity. And and then they get, they get jobs. if they complete, you know, their, their training path, you know, and it's really great, you know? So one thing I would make sure that, uh, well, you can be a generalist, you know, I see them, right? And and sometimes they're successful. Oh, I, I just fixed this. I, you know, I can do anything really. Just let me know what the need is. But I see the most success is identifying a niche, right? And getting very, very, becoming a master of that area, right? Um, and I think having that also creates them the ability to market yourself that way. And So when you reach out to recruiters or companies, And you identify the people in those companies, in those areas, you start networking and you start saying, hey, I do this and this is what I'm an expert on. It's easier to sell that than to be, hey, I'm this generalist person that I'm pretty good. I can wear 10 different hats. And Isn't the
1: issue on this? I mean, the thing is, there's just no differentiating in the generalist category, right? The thing is, you can get away with being a generalist, but you should probably lead with some specific examples of things you've done. I mean, if you're in the experience side of this thing, I think that starting off with like, you know what, I worked on this, I made this happen. You know, someone asked me this question just yesterday, how do I tell these tales? And I said... Someone, there was a starting position they were not happy with. You helped them build a bridge to the new position. And there was some real tangible result at the end. It's as simple as creating those bridging stories. But I think that, you know, from an advice standpoint, you know, if I want to, if I'm going to go talk to Joel, it's like, I want to show up with three stories in my pocket that say This is what we worked on, right? And it's not, I did it, I did it, because these are all team environment kind of things now, right? But this is it. This is where I worked and what I did to help. And if you can tell three stories, here's the deal. If you can tell three stories, people assume you have a pocket full of them. But all you need is three to get started. Right. That's true.
6: And, you know, one little tip here, Chris and and Phil and and the gang, um, you know, is if you really become really great at something and it's really niche and you're high demand and you're at this company and, You know, you want to leave and you want to do consulting. Well, here's my first suggestion to you. If I was if we were in a having a beer, right? I'd be like, well, let me ask you something. When you leave, what will that company do? Are they going to try to hire your position? Or can you go back to that company and say, you know what? I'll deliver these same results on my own schedule and you won't have to fill this position. And you bill them for uh, a reasonable amount of money where they actually save money. Right. And you still deliver what they need to fill that role, and then you have a, a first base client to build your consultancy off of. And I've seen that work. I've made that suggestion for some people, and they they turn around. They're like, "I can't believe it." They said yes. They'll they'll hire me as a contractor.
0: You know, that is awesome. Yeah, Joel, thank you. For, that's a life hack. A yeah, life hack for uh, consultants. Um, and I think that listen, I, I appreciate it. And listen, I thank you for your time also. Sure, and, uh, absolutely. We'll, we'll grab a beer here sometime locally in in Greenville, South Carolina. So, I mean, so, so Joel talks about, right. Like, you know, getting into right. And the front end of all of this, you know, once you're in it though, right. Or you're, you're, you're in a corporate environment. We've got someone that I actually work with currently um, his name is Brian Lindner and uh, we get him pulled up, but, you know, Brian's got an interesting sort of story too, because, you know, Brian worked in well. I'll let him tell a story, but you know, sort of a corporate to consulting kind of kind of story, right? And you know, not just any consulting, high dollar strategy consulting, right, Brian? Yeah,
7: yeah. Um, so yeah, as Chris, as Chris said, we, we work together, um, and I'm, I'm glad I got the the memo. <laughs> in the yeah, you know, one, one of the tips. So done, consult, friend. Be, be, be prepared. That, that's yeah. one of the big things for people as they're entering. Uh, be prepared for anything. But yeah, so uh, my, my background, uh, as Chris said, I've I, I worked in sort of the corporate healthcare world for a number of years, uh, primarily uh, a couple other places. Before that, and this will sort of go into some tips maybe on helping people entering consulting. Before that, I actually worked for an IT consulting company uh, for, a, just, for just a few brief years, and was sort of right out of school and doing things there. Um, but with that sort of shift back into consulting, and as Chris sort of said now, management consulting, um, one of the things that sort of helped me throughout all those years was um, learning that there's there's a different there's a different sense of ownership that comes into play versus sometimes when you're just in a traditional corporate job doing a project, delivering a project that you um, you you might feel like you really own it yourself. You know, it is the company's after all. It's not really yours. You have to when you're in consulting, you're not really owning the end product you're you're helping the company achieve their goals. and you have to yet be able to say, you know can I set that can I set that ownership aside or that well, I' call it like the ego of it aside, say, I'm here to help serve. I'm not really it's not really for me, it's for someone else. Um and that was something that I sort of always had. Um, as it was noted in the chat earlier or in the chat a little bit, you know people can move in and out of consulting. but there's a mindset that comes in and interplays through all of this. And that was something I always had in my corporate job. Um, through the different roles I had and move move up the corporate ladder a bit, I always sort of had that inquisitive nature, that challenging the status quo, um, asking the questions of why, and that that helped serve me well in that realm. It also helped pivot uh, very well as I moved back, sort of back into the management consulting world.
0: Well, I want to know, you know, you're you're sitting there in, I'm guessing Pittsburgh somewhere, right? And you're in this <laughs> corporate environment, and you're. What what leads you down the path of saying I want to get out of this? I want to make a change.
7: Um, well, the kind of the realization that some of the uncertainty that comes in consulting anyway, um, where you know the you don't always know the project is going to happen the next day, and, and who the cli- you know, who the client or your colleagues might be. Well, that happens in the corporate world far more often than people might like to believe. Um, reorganizations happen, new leadership. Um, that was happening quite a bit in the prior two to three years uh, before I, I was leaving. So that sort of led me to think about stuff and create, you know, and started to create some networking opportunities and, and connections out in the world um, to say, Hey, you know, what, 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 what would be there? And it is through a series of opportunities and um, both positive and negative unfortunate events, yet yeah, sort of things came to fruition. And then I, I got hooked up with uh, the company that I work for now for That's originally awesome. as a, as a contractor and then as full-time. So.
0: I tend to think that there are a lot of folks out there that are sitting in that cubicle at this time of year, especially, right. Looking at the calendar ahead and saying, how do I get out of this? (laughs) Right. You know, and maybe I've always thought about like, Hey, you know, I've always thought about either doing my own thing as a, as an independent consultant or, you know, joining a consulting firm and having the, the glamorous travel, right. And all that sort of stuff, or, you know, we don't do that as much anymore, but, you know, having all of that aspect of it, and I, I got to think you you navigated that right, and maybe maybe you have some pro tips, yeah, some the, life hacks. The, the big thing I'll just say is you have to sort of lean into your
7: career and your, your job. Um, if you it, you can be a leaf in the wind, or you can you know be trying to take some control of it, and that's that's true whether you're going to be in consulting like true true consulting whether you're going to be independent or with a, a firm or whether you're going to be in the corporate world there are things that you can try to take control of and you could you can be in the in the corporate world but still treat it like a little consultancy you know ask ask better questions you know don't just leave every meeting with oh boy that was great you know okay that was a wasted hour you know make sure if you're in the room that you know you're prepared and you're per- and you're actually participating Um, you know, become, uh, become a name. Don't, don't just feel like you want to fly under the radar all the time. Um, Ask questions. Why? One of the things I used to be um, jokingly famous for was um, like saying no, (laughs) saying no, or strategically using the phrase, I don't know. Um, And not using it as a shield and deflection, but using it as a true thoughtful moment to say, okay, we need to think about this. There's, there's a moment we need to take and pause. Let's regroup tomorrow morning and come together with some thoughts. Um, and if you don't overuse those, they become very powerful tools and actually looked at and respected um, to where people, when they hear you say that, they're like, oh, wait, there, there must be something going on um, because people are you know raising that. So there's things you can do, whether in the corporate, they sort of get your mindset shifted. And then whether you want to take that full leap into the consulting, the consulting, consulting world, or
4: sort of the mini internal, that, that's a choice. I think it's a, a massive um, self-awareness thing, isn't it? That you can mm-hmm. take control of your own destiny. I, I, I've seen many people sort of just get stuck you know, in a certain right. role or a certain niche because they're just not, not really enlightened. And I, I think for me, that was the biggest sort of epiphany I think I probably had in my career was I can proactively choose to learn new things and, and pull different levers and network in different ways and move to a different industry or a different role. Um, and I just don't think, that really gets learned, you know, through our education system, is it? I think our education system is a bit of a sausage factory, I think, in most Western oh, countries. Very much so. And people end up sort of going, oh, I'm going to go into that field and that's what I'll do my whole career. And I think the reality is people need actually more of the sort of uh, self-awareness and sort of self-evaluation sort of processing so that they can go, mm-hmm. do you know what, maybe this isn't for me, to Chris's point uh, earlier. So, no, I, I, that completely resonates with me, Brian. Totally agree.
2: I also think there's a a self-confidence and it it probably seems like there's an inertia to overcome. Things are, are scary. Just Brian, even as you mentioned, like having to network and figure out how I get, you know, one contract or client after another, how do I set up legal entities? I think all those things can be discouraging as well. And Brian, not sure if you have any advice uh, for people trying to overcome that as well.
7: Um, I mean, one piece of advice I would give people to help with the nerves and it maybe even the networking away is just apply to some jobs and go on a job interview. You're in a way learning the skills of networking. And and actually you are actually networking in a in a way. It's just it's just a maybe a, a very strategic one. But that too, that, that helps, I think, with people getting out of their comfort zone. And and there's nothing wrong with going on um, job interviews, you know, every every year or every you know, every 18 or 20, 24 months. You may not Absolutely, want to leave your job, but you're just exploring sort of what's out there, and you're staying abreast of of what the larger industry is sort of doing. So you can use it as a little bit of a fact finding and a soft networking, because in a way, the person who's talking to you has to talk to you. So you're not really having to worry about an icebreaker, because the icebreaker is you're in the room, uh, you know, effectively. Um, and and it's also going to force some questions to come up. So I think that that's a soft way to do it. And actually, I encourage a lot of my employees to do things like that at times, like. Feel free to um, see if the grass is truly greener
1: because if it is, you should be happy.
0: So Phil, you, you run those kinds of events. Is Brian on target or is he just full of it?
1: That's just awesome. Awesome (laughs) advice. It is awesome advice. And the thing is we find ourselves so easily just running the same loop again and again. I mean, you know, and, and I really, this was kind of going to get to my next question is, you know, How and this could be for anybody, but I think in Brian, Oliver and Wendy have kind of already started pieces of this or this conversation, which is how, you know, what is the cadence for saying, you know what, let me do a little review here and decide, am I really doing what I want to be doing? And am I thinking constructively about is my life allowing me to execute it? in the way that I want to, you know, I always say we, we want to be values aligned, right? Whatever that might be for you. But if I, if there are things that are important to me, am I getting to do those in my work? And if not, can I move things around? I'm kind of curious, Brian, I mean, what, what, it, so the the specific question, I know I buried it in a bunch of other gobbledygook, <laughs> but the question was, what's the cadence for that? And perhaps what's the method? You know, what, is there some simple set of questions that you ask yourselves and how often do you do it? Um, I did it in in my,
7: in my career, probably every two years, I would ask myself, you know, what, what, am I doing? You know, what am I doing? Um, now I'll admit, I was not the most obsessed with my career. I, I was not trying to just climb the ladder or doing something like that. That's um, things I maybe recognize a little bit more later, but I would still occasionally, you know, is this, these the kind of projects, you know, I should be you know involved in. Um, and I would actually talk to my management at the time. Um, and I tried to pair it with things that maybe they could be doing and offering sol- you know, solutions to things that were that causing problems in different departments. But um, I, I mean, I think two years is a good horizon to be sort of just revisiting and seeing, you know, what you want to do. Are you, are you doing okay? If you do it like in the six, I know people that do it every six months. Um, sometimes that could be a little too short. You know, you may not be really getting any meat on the bone, so to speak. Um, and if you go like, you know, I know people have never done it, never really asked the question or go too far long. You know, it, it could be too too late. Um, and you don't the answers don't have to be switch jobs every time you 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 ask yourself these questions. It could just be a conversation with your with your boss for is there a slightly different role? Am I ready? I mean, sure, maybe if you're ready to move up or down um, a promotion ladder, but it might also just be, is there a different role in the department you're in um, to do something, you know, just to help out. And it also reminds them that you're growing internal. Uh, external to what their viewpoint might be but you're growing internally as a person too
0: so they need to be help supporting you as well I think that's good stuff listen um Brian I appreciate it yeah. um let's get that deck done for that client and um, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um no listen I, I think you know, that,
1: and I are going to be sitting here drinking my ties can you go off and get <laughs> that deck done so we can get this right now yeah I got it that's well done
0: No, I mean, I think, you know, because, you know, I I just I go back to when I was in the cube thinking like, you know, am I going to die here like in this cubicle and no one will notice. Right. That was my biggest fear. Right. Sort of the opposite of the guy with the red stapler in that movie. Right. It's like he just kept getting paid, even though he had been fired. Right. This is the opposite. You die and no one notices. Right. That would be, be horrible. So, you know, Brian, I think, you know, that the, the things that you talked about, I mean, resonate with me. It's like, you know, what are the things I need to do to m- begin to make that change? Obviously, you know, um that mindset I think is, is something important. So listen, thank you, appreciate it. No problem. I Thanks think having me. you know, I think as you yeah. as you, you and you know, Brian brought it up a little bit, right? You know, you're in consulting. And that mindset travels with you, even though you may do different forms of consulting along the way, right? And I know we've got, let's see, is, is Max? Oh, there's Max. I see Max up there. We're, we're going to highlight Max because Max, Max has kind of a, some perspective on this probably as well, right? So Max and I worked together uh, years ago. I think Max, you, Maybe also worked with Shashi a bit as well, or I, I don't know. We, it's, it's a blur. It's a blur, Max, of all the people that we've all worked with. But I know, you know, we started out in management consulting together, right? Advisory consulting, right? There was no implementation. It was all, you know, CEO, CIO level type stuff. Uh, you know, we were acquired by an accounting firm, right? And that that shifted the type of consulting kind of that we were doing in some areas. And then you went on sort of your own journey, right? Of some technology consulting. I know now you're involved in data and some products and services and offerings that is, is maybe different. Right. And so there's that change once you're in consulting, right. There are different career opportunities open to you. So, I mean, now that you're spotlighted, right. I want to <laughs> put you on the spot. Um, you know, first of all, welcome, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, but, you know, want to get your sort of your thoughts on sort of that, that journey that you went on and maybe some insights for folks that are, thinking, right, maybe I want to change from technology to management or strategy advisory consulting or the other way.
5: <clears throat> uh, absolutely. First of all, hey, thank you, Chris, for inviting me. You know, excited to be here and uh, share some of the things I've been doing lately since uh, working with Chris and Shashi and others at uh, at Booz and then uh, PwC uh, after that. But uh, well, yeah, so uh, just very quickly, so I currently work for a uh, for an AI, call center AI company based out of Boston. And I'm actually part of their um, client advisory team. And uh, my role is to actually help our clients uh, get business value from our products and services, uh, and also help uh, shape uh, some of the product stuff, um, also sales. I also get a little bit involved in the marketing aspects so it's uh, it's actually a 10 year old company born out of MIT. it's um, it's been in the business uh, for I would say commercially it's been in the business for the past five years and we just recently raised uh, series D funding so looking forward to growing and expanding and uh, lots of exciting things happening. but yeah uh, you know
0: you, you pointed out just real quick you pointed out Max you're involved in sales right And you know mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks when they think of consulting, Maybe management consulting more so than maybe technology, but you know they may not be thinking I have to do sales. Do you know what I mean? Right? It's like maybe not one of those things that they're really thinking through.
5: Oh yeah, I mean I think it is. Uh, sales is part and parcel of, of consulting. If you cannot be a good salesperson, I don't think you should be in consulting at all. Uh, and I'll I'll admit right, and I'll be the first one to to say that I am not the best salesperson on the planet. And I found that uh, limiting actually in my consulting career because uh, you can be smart and bright, but if you are not able to sell, you cannot succeed in consulting long term.
4: Yeah, that that's really interesting, isn't it? I think the balance of whether you're a subject matter expert versus someone who is very charismatic and very saleable as an individual, because I think first and foremost, people buy people. Sorry, I know it's a cliche, but that's very true in, in in consulting, right? And if you're not able to kind of charismatically convey why someone should buy. You know, services from from your organisation and not someone else. That's yeah. Absolutely. So that no, I definitely agree with that. That's a really key point. Absolutely.
1: Isn't that, a, that, that is that a thing I think that is counterintuitive, you know, because a lot of times people get into this space, particularly in the tech consulting space, not so much advisory, but in tech consulting space is because they really like working with the thing or the product or the something, you know, I'm really good at this tool or I'm really great at Java, or whatever, just pick, it doesn't really matter what it is. But if you're in the consulting space, you have to be able to convince other people that you can solve a problem. And that is always a sales cycle you know people deal with the folks that they know trust and like and so you can do this with competence but a little bit of charm goes a long way an ability to tell a story goes a long way so I'm glad Max that you brought that up I said all of that to say I think that's a powerful story and people have to get that.
2: In, in sales, it's about finding your, your own authentic way to do it. I'll I'll never forget some advice I got from one of my, my bosses when I was moving into leadership positions. And he said, Wendy, I know you're really uncomfortable with sales, but we know you really love to help people. All you're doing is finding new ways to help people. And for me, that's sort of been my guiding light. I just love helping and serving people. And so I don't even have to think about it as sales, really.
4: And that's key, isn't it? I don't think anyone really refers to sales in the big consulting firms. At least that's my experience. It's, you know, it's just finding opportunities. It's networking. It's kind of just part of the gig, isn't it? It's not, there isn't There isn't such a thing, or at least I've not come across this. I'm happy to be corrected. There isn't like a business development role or a sales role in consulting, because as we've just discussed, it's kind of expected that it's part of everyone's job. So um, Shashi asked a really
0: good question in the chat, and I'm going to paraphrase and interpret <laughs> For you, Max, um, would you would you say that you left consulting, or did you just change sort of from one type of consulting to maybe a different type of consulting?
5: I, I think Shashi said it well, right? So uh, you can you cannot take the consultant out of the person, even though that person is not working in consulting per se. So in a way, I'm actually doing consulting uh, for working for a product company. So the the nature of the work has not actually fundamentally changed for me uh, as such, but I'm getting to learn a lot, right? And which is, which is very exciting for me because I wanted to actually, uh, right, change my career and get more exposure to things like uh, right AI and machine learning and and so on, and at the same time. Uh, Bring to bear and provide value in terms of what I have learned uh, in my consulting career. Which uh, the product companies, right? They they like people like that, right? And they actually value that expertise. But not not all of those companies actually do. Uh, so you have to be fortunate enough to be working for a company that actually recognizes what you bring to the table as a consultant, right? And in the process, uh, you get to learn about cool and exciting new technologies and tools, right? So. Uh, but yeah, I think really for me, it was just the fact that I wanted to uh, get more, like get closer to uh, to some of these emerging technologies around artificial intelligence. And I thought that I can do that working for uh, for companies like these that I'm currently with.
0: You know, if you so if if you if you put yourself in the shoes of someone sitting around right now, facing the end of the year, still in lockdown, right, wherever. And it's like you know, I really want to make a change in my career. I'm in consulting, right? Like you were, right? I'm in consulting. I don't want to leave consulting. I just want to sort of change the type of work that I'm doing. Got any advice for those those guys out there? Any any life hacks, Max, that you've you've picked up along the way?
5: Yeah, no. So I think there's there's a few things that that one can do, right? So depending upon what uh, your expertise and skill is, right? So um, so for example. You can uh, think about uh, uh, going and working for a uh, for a product company in their in their product management uh, team, right? I know uh, quite a few consultants, right? From I think one was with Deloitte, the other one was with uh, with Accenture. They are uh, working in the product uh, management team at my company, right? Uh, or you could go into customer success, right? One of my former like uh, one of my previous startup like before this one. So that uh, uh, the person that I was working with there, he was an ex Deloitte uh, monitor uh, consulting guy, right? Strategy guy, but he was leading the customer success team, right? So, uh, so there's there's quite a few different uh, functions even within the product space that you can go and work for as a former consultant, depending upon what your uh, what your prior background and uh, background is and what your interest is, right? And uh, I think it it all comes down to uh, right personal networking because I, I don't feel that there is a, like a good talent pipeline from from consulting, like especially management consulting and strategy consulting, into product companies, because typically product companies actually value technical expertise, right? They don't actually like really value. I'm mean, like they do, but they don't. Uh, they put the premium on your technical expertise, right? So unless you have that technical expertise. It's, it's very difficult to make a headway into working for a product company, right you know especially a startup. Uh, but again, it depends upon right sometimes you might get lucky and you find somebody like or some companies that actually value and they, they know that oh, you are a right you are a McKenzie or a booze or like whatever a Pwc person and I know exactly what you bring to the, bring to the table right So the, the value that you can add right. So unless that happens, which is kind of like rare, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a challenge uh, to to get that traction with, uh, right, know, with software and product
4: companies. But but I think if you can land in that environment, it's often that different sort of perspective that's really helpful, right? The consultant is often really tuned into what does the customer need or what does the market you know, product fit look like or what are those sort of softer things that actually complements the hardcore technical people really really well right and Absolutely. and also often if someone has a bit of technical background but they have the kind of growth mindset and they're able to kind of learn and demonstrate that it's actually probably more important that someone has those sort of softer attributes and uh, and sort of empathy and with the customer than having the technical expertise but i agree with you i think there is a bit of a fixation on oh someone doesn't know xyz exactly and they don't have five years experience in it so we're not going to consider them and i think it comes back to the point I think joel was making earlier about trying to attract talent into the into some of the, you know, these hard to fill roles is because people are looking for exact fit people, which you know, I think sometimes you have to take a bit of a risk, right? You have to take a punt on someone knowing that they have enough ingredients to kind of exactly. be a success.
5: Yeah, like for example, I, I interviewed with uh, I, Amazon, I interviewed with Google, and at the end of the day, it came down to, okay, how much skill do you have with Amazon Web Services? I'm like, <laughs> You know, so I like, I don't have that, right? You know, I don't have like I don't know anything about the Google Cloud platform, right? Now, can I get better? Like, can I go, get good at it? You know, absolutely, because I'm a like right, I grew up as a software developer, right? You know, I understand the nuts and bolts of 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 programming and software architecture, right? So it's it's easy for me, but I like I don't have that like right out of the gate, right? You know, so it's difficult for big companies like that to then hire me. So that's why I found that uh, mid-sized companies, small-sized companies where, right, they, they appreciate the expertise that you bring to the table. They understand uh, that you are a smart guy, right? And that's where you can get a lot of traction, right? And and, and get a lot of uh, uh, opportunity.
0: You're muted, Chris. I just muted myself. That's, I mean, you know, that's great. That's, that's the technical expertise, I think, that you were talking about. Is the it's, your gift.
1: it's your gift to us. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> right. Um, well, Max, thank you for joining us live from Texas. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's great seeing you. And um, right. So, um, Ian, well, oh, there he is. Hey, hey, buddy. Um, good to see you. Glad you're here. Listen, um, I, you know, you left consulting i still don't know why because i thought you were uniquely suited to it. but um you know i want to get sort of your take on you know your thought process you know what made you think about leaving and given right now if you're talking to your friends you know around your age group and they're in consulting would you be advising them to quit and get out like you did you know what sort of what's sort of your take on that
8: yeah yeah so let me uh address the first piece of why i left consulting i think the biggest piece of or the biggest driver for me in leaving consulting was number one doing the work that i want to do and putting the most time I can towards my development that is more than 100% within my control. I feel that a lot of the times with consulting, depending on the partners you're, you're assigned to, depending on the HR unit that is for staffing, a lot of the work is to me like uh, sunk time, right? Like a lot of the stuff I'm not really going to be using or leveraging for my CV, my resume, etc. cetera. Um, leaving consulting, I think, has helped me a lot because the Brand of being a consultant, being able to deal with personalities, being able to deal with high intensity environments. People value that everywhere. Um, a lot of the roles that are still top tier roles, they always ask for tech, finance, and consulting. And they always, have people who have quote unquote put in their time as a consultant. Um, right now, I would advise my friends who are still in consulting if you like it, perfect. If you like the flexibility, if you like the diverse work, Stick with it. Um, if you want to have more control of defining what you exactly want to do, specifically within an engineer or specifically within a company that has more of a technology foundations, I think it's worthwhile considering an exit. Now you you and went into company, love the culture.
0: Yeah. 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 sorry. No, I was Go just ahead. gonna say you you went you you totally love consulting entirely, right? You went to like product management and marketing and things of that nature. I mean, Oliver you left consulting too. I, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why anyone would leave this industry. It's fantastic.
4: <laughs> I think it's um, certain people are better suited to the pace and the challenges. And um, yeah, I mean, I think we've covered this probably on other episodes, but yeah, for me, it just got to a point where I I, I realized, I think I had a bit of an epiphany and I, I just decided it wasn't really no, I don't like to work hard. No, don't don't get me wrong. I I do, but I just it wasn't really compatible with my sort of work life balance um preferences. And um uh, yeah, I I suppose and, and and so I kind of just sort of looked at a life beyond and outside. And that maybe that would have been different if I'd have been at a firm much, much longer than I had. Um, I did two stints, right? I did a I did a four-year stint at for sustainability consultancy earlier in my career, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, no, for me, for me, uh, I don't know. Probably one we'll we'll cover another time, but yeah, I I, could, I totally see why people decide to to get out because I think it's not for everyone, right? I think you've you've got to be committed to going the long haul, and you you either do a few years and get out, or you kind of commit to the full the full nine yards. I would say.
8: Yeah, um, I think the flexibility of many roles right now, they definitely <clears throat> have the hybrid model, which I think is here to stay. A lot of the times I question why we would travel to the client site for things, that obviously, I mean, I have needed to be done in person, right? Just to have the presence be in the office, trying to look like you're in a room until 6 p.m., 7 p.m. Like, I honestly think optics really don't mean much if the work is there. Um, right now, I think everyone understands, you know, we're measured based off what we get done. We can't have the work-life flexibility that is going to persist Going forward, you definitely have to show up for collaboration, workshop, all the other stuff. But um, right now, I can't foresee myself going in a consultant like role where I would have to travel for the sake of traveling, uh, being in a place where most people are kind of checked out by 3 p.m. on the client side. And then you're like, why am I stuck in this conference room with no windows?
2: I think there's an, an interesting point from Shashi in the, the chat there. And Ian, I'm curious what you think about this. One can choose to leave consulting, but the consultant within you never leaves you. So, do you agree with that? Or, or how has maybe been, you know, being a consultant, how does it help you in what you do today?
1: Yeah, yeah.
8: Uh, funny fact, I actually just had my performance review uh, last week for my new role. And one of the key highlights that was brought in terms of the value add that I bring to the team was the due diligence. I always apply critical in, in the sense of like, why are we doing this, and what, and 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 then if it is the best approach to do it. There's many times where people go wax on, wax off. They don't cross all their T's. They don't dot all their I's, and then they just push through because it's the motion of how things were done having the mindset of critically of critical reasoning, I think is the biggest piece that I would say has been a uh, trait that has been embedded into me from consulting and working in, in positive and projects that have been negative.
0: Well, you know, Ian, I haven't given up on you one day. I'll, we'll get you back in consulting and we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll reminisce. Um, and uh, you know, I I should I should point out Shashi and Ian and I worked together way back in the day. So um, it's a story for another time, probably. Right. But listen, uh, Ian, I appreciate it. Thank you so much um, for for joining us here today. Our good friend Shashi Shramali, who joins who's who's here with us now. I kind of want to we can bring him up. Oh, there he is. Hey, Shashi. Um, who's muted, um, you know, I think. Can I just,
1: unmute him as well or just leave him like this? Just leave him. <laughs> it's all sign language from here on out, Pantomime. I'm so yeah. glad. I, I, the thing is, I just want to be able to say something so I can get the last word in before Shashi <laughs> grabs a hold of the microphone. Cause you know, this is something he's good at. Hello Shashi, I'm unmuting you now. <laughs>
0: Shashi, listen. You're, you're unmuting have, you. You have to unmute yourself, I guess. Uh, but listen, I want to. I want to get your take on like all the things that you said or that you've you've heard uh, some of the folks saying because you've lived through sort of that whole life cycle, right? Of of all sort of that different the different phases and all the different ways of consulting and the things that we've done. So, you know what, what's your what's your two minute take on this?
3: Two minutes. You made me wait for fifty minutes and asking for two minutes. That's not fair. And it was so much like of a medium again, not to so. talk. You know that power of I, I feel the power of muting and unmuting somebody else today. So thank you for that lesson, um, Chris. And I've worked with you know a, you know bunch of people. We have been I know Chris for a long time now. My first you know main strategy consulting gig at Strategy, and he was one of my mentors um, at that time. I'm not sure if a good one though. Uh, but overall, what, what I feel is you know. I think that's it bring consulting brings a very solid skill set, which is applicable in any industry you go. All of us on, on this call are consultants, take it or leave it. Even salespeople are consultants, even engineers need to be consultant. You gotta be selling all the time, either you're selling internally or you are selling externally. So irrespective of that, I don't know why they don't teach this skill set in universities. Probably they should have a specific course, interdisciplinary course, where they teach the kids how to think like a consultant. Whether they go do engineering, whether they you know build some robots or whatever it may be, but that skill set is invaluable. So in the past, like you know, a few years, I have uh, tried being you know getting into. I got into Amazon. Amazon. I had no experience with Amazon Web Services. As Max was uh, saying earlier, but I worked hard for about a month and I learned enough that I was able to clear their Amazon Web Services interview. But uh, I couldn't join and I regret now um, for some other reasons. But but the critical part is the technical skill set which you bring to the table from your past experiences. And when I got into consulting and the skill set I developed, I became more lethal as compared to many other organic consultants, people who started into consulting and stay in consulting for 10 years, but less likely they would develop that kind of subject matter expertise over a period of time. And that's what you know people sometimes crave for, that I want to be closer to content. So when you grow up in hierarchy in consulting, you become partner and even more. Your association with content, you know, starts going down because you have to deal with many other things. A partner is, you know, spread across ten projects at a minimum, right? In ten projects, you can't do justice to each of the project and spending eight, 40 hours a week. Not humanly possible. So, so those those are the skills, and that's why people like Max moved into industry because he wanted to be much much closer to you know leverage his consulting skill, but at the same time he wanted to be closer to the content, so I I think you know everybody at some point in time should experience you know you know consulting type of work, uh, develop that skill set, and then they are empowered with new tools. They can go and do whatever the great things they want to do. Or right, it was two minutes or so not? Not sure.
0: <laughs> no, I I think that that is exactly right. I mean, you know that that's. I think the whole theme of, you know, if you're again sitting around and you're thinking, you know, I need a career change or or more to, more to the point, you know, I don't there there are folks that are not thinking I have to make a career change, but there are folks that are looking at the market as it is right now and they're like if if I don't make if I don't follow that dream now that I've been thinking about, is will I ever get this opportunity to do that again, right? You know that maybe there's something unique about this time of disruption that gives someone that extra little push that they maybe they need to go out and and say I'm I'm going to start my own consulting firm I'm going to I'm going to prototype that that product that thing that I was I've been thinking about I'm going to leave Deloitte and I'm going to go create my own thing or I'm going to leave PwC and I'm going to go create my own thing or like max and I'm, I'm going to continue to leverage the skills that I have but I'm going to do it for a different way of of engaging with clients you know I, I just I just think It's things are a little different right now. I don't know what you think about that, Shashi. I know you've you've been embedded forever, right? You've been in consulting forever now.
3: Thinking is highly overrated. Just do it. Don't think too much. Sometimes you, you know, you know, it's analysis. Through one thing, consulting teaches you. You got to think in a week's time. You don't have like in corporate world six months where nobody will even ask you. You keep thinking, thinking, thinking. You are running clock, so you got to do time box thinking and then start doing it. That is part of the problem which people have when you are born, brought up, and raised in corporate environment.
0: Yeah. By the way, I think this is a good chance to point out that um I'm drinking coffee uh, from this Billy's Chowder House cup. Billy's Chowder House is conveniently located off of Route 1. Uh, in not Maine. sure if
3: it's coffee. I don't, I don't trust this is coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nor, nor should you. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I appreciate your time, Shashi. I, I, I don't know, Phil, I, I did all the talking. Phil, Wendy, Oliver, any anything for Shashi before we, we cut him loose?
1: I just want to say, this is the best you've ever looked on camera. I'm thinking about all the episodes we've done and you're always like soft. So apparently the money's doing good. You know, you're getting paid and you got a nice lighting and nice camera. I'm glad that you're doing well now that you've left us. No, Phil, nothing, nothing
3: has changed. I just found a... Nice corner in my house where I get the right lighting. <laughs> nothing has changed, neither money or nothing. Nothing has changed.
1: Okay, thanks to your wife for letting you have this corner. Go ahead. Yes, that 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 I agree.
4: <laughs> good. It's All about lighting and microphones, isn't it? Today's okay. world. Well,
1: I you just I want him to look good. That's the deal. Yeah, <laughs> and he sounds good. It's nice to see you, Shashi. Mm-hmm. Always, always. I, I, I'm gonna yes. tell you I, the thing is, in terms of like. Insights per second. I feel like you are just gold in this regard, right? I was sitting here thinking, like, oh, I'm really looking forward to going back and pulling a transcript of this because I can't write fast enough to pick those little pinpoints out of stuff that you're talking about. But, you know, in fact, you made me think of a thing that I have said sometimes. And I was trying to think of a way to clean it up for this crowd. And it is um, we can think the snot out of stuff, but doing something is how we learn. Right. And so actually taking some action, you know, thinking that sort of act the nonverbal, but doing a thing is how we learn. And I just love that idea. And, you know, I know Chris and I have had this conversation, too. The cadence in the consulting life forces you to make a decision and move, make a decision exactly. and move. You are not going to sit around and say, oh, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. next year. I mean, how about the quarter after that?
3: And then and, and, yeah. uh, to add on to add on to that, Phil you know, it teaches you how to deal with ambiguity. It teaches mm-hmm. you how to make decisions with minimum information made available to you. Sorry, those yeah, are two you things know, that So, you know, my favorite question in that
1: regard is because I'll say to somebody, well, let's do this. And I'll say, well, I'll tell you what, let me, um, let me, I'm gonna think about this and I'll get back to you next week. And I will look at them when I know that, I know the answer to this and say, what will you learn in the next week that is gonna infect that decision? But what will you learn in that period of time? I said because I think the answer might be nothing. We might have everything we have need to know right now in order to decide and move forward. What do you think about that? And you know, at least at least half the time they're happy that I called their bluff. We make a decision and we move forward.
0: There's also the other piece that Shashi brought up, Phil, which is you know, all, all things being perfect, maybe you will uncover some new data in the next week and and make a decision. But the reality is, chances are. That information is just not available anyway. So even if even if you know you could you know go after it, you're not you're not going to find it and gain any insight from it, right? It's just it's not there. You got to make you got to. I hate to use the word snap judgment, but I mean at some point it's like you got to you got to uh, make that decision. I, I've always thought you know that that works really well for me, but you know. I don't, yeah. Uh, Shashi, it was good to see you, buddy. Um, oh, all glad you're doing you doing well. Thanks. Um, so you know, Phil, Wendy, Oliver, you know, we've we've sort of gone through that whole life cycle now of, you know, I'm I'm thinking about joining consulting. I've joined consulting uh from my my company. I've 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 made some changes within the consulting space. Um, you know, I want to go partner or I want to go technical or I wanna go product um and and marketing. Um, and then we've talked about, you know, Ian talked about exiting, right? Um and getting out of consulting. I just don't want to do this type of work in this way anymore, go do something different. Um, The year's over, right? Sort of last episode of the year of the season. Um, So I don't know any, 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 any thoughts on this topic, any parting wisdom for all the cats out there. (laughs) Right. Um, I kind of want to get your take because I mean, as you can imagine, right. Each one of these folks that we talked to, you could speak to for an hour, right. You could unpack, you know, you know what what is it what does it mean to do it recruiting and we could talk to joel for an hour kind of like we talked to Brent last year right i mean we could talk to um, you know brian for for an hour about about his experiences um so you know i, I understand the, the task is difficult to sort of summarize and and give some thoughts on this but nonetheless i persist so what do you think oliver what, what are your thoughts here
4: i really like one of the themes that's come out of this which is about the consulting mindset and, and, you know, you can kind of take the consultant out of consulting, but they'll still be a consultant. And I think some people have this sort of, um, you know, questioning, curious, um, kind of consultative kind of mindset, regardless of whether they're a consultant or not. And I, I I think that's one of the things I'm sort of taking out of this. It just reinforces that that, that thought I've had. that I've worked with people that are more test and learn, you know, uh, analytical, but, but practical with it. And other people that are very happy just to do one thing, be very specialist, and stay in in when one organisation for a long period of time. So it's for me, it's it's kind of almost like a mindset as much as it is a uh, an industry. And I think that's one of the big things I'm I'm taking away from this. And I think people can think of themselves as a consultant internally, like some of the guests were saying just now, as much as working in the consulting sphere. And therefore, you can kind of be interchangeable in a. In a, in a, in a you know, organizational role or in a consulting sort of industry role. So, yeah, that that that's the big takeaway for me today. My
2: my takeaway is, um, you know, just the opportunity in, in the flow and and even going back and forth that we don't have to make permanent career decisions. If I want to move to consulting, and then if I want to move back to working for an organization, or I want to go do, you know, work in a product company. I really get to decide that journey based on what I wanna do now. Um, And the flow is good, we bring the consulting mindset to us no matter where we are and we bring the perspective of what it's like to work in an organization and be the one making the decision when we're in a consulting role. And another um, theme and and takeaway for me too is just how hot the market is and how much opportunity we we do all really have right now. I liked Joel's points around um, finding a niche and really leaning into that. Um, that's certainly worked for me personally, and I've been able to move from New York to Norway and keep a global business going because of that niche and because of that passion. And so, um, yeah, it's a really good time. And, and, and maybe to anybody who's, who's thinking about making a leap to starting your own consulting firm, there's never been a better time in terms of market. And I think, um, least inertia in terms of being able to set things up because of the digital world.
1: I might want two last words, but no, uh, the, um, you know, and just to see, kind of, yeah, yeah to, to put all of that bit in there for, uh, both Oliver and Wendy, I mean, this is an incredible time. And I think this can still be in, and, and we've been super lucky today with all the expertise that we've had that we could just like lean into and ask these questions as well. They're not just points of view, but I mean, years and years worth of experience and, uh, I just think that's really fascinating. I guess I'm thinking in this moment to kind of cap on where Wendy was is that it is a world full of opportunity. If, and you trying to decide where you want to do, you know, if what you're doing isn't really working for you, the world is a big place. And now you can work in lots of places you never could before because we have been locked down trained to work from home and to go so we can work wherever. So, so some opportunities are just enormous. And I think a decision point is if you want to, if you feel like I don't have all of the skills, like I'm not thinking like a consultant yet, I really want some skills and practices, then go find the best people in the world to work with and work with them and spend a couple of years doing that. But if you have done all of that and you think, you know, what I really want to do is to crank the cash machine. I think that's the point you go decide, all right, I'm going to go figure out how to do a thing on my own. And I, and I say, it's either cash or flexibility. There are two things that you can get from doing that. And you got to decide what those are for you. But if you can get to those bits, um, that's how you go off and decide you're going to do a thing. On your own. And let me tell you, it's hard work and you're not going to get to always do it. One of the things you're going to learn is there's an administrivia monster that's going to try to swallow up and make itself more important than the actual work that you are doing. And so, so you have to figure out how you're going to balance all of that stuff. But if you're uh, if you're in it to learn, go find the best people in the world and figure out how you can join that team. Uh, so I think this is a, a wonderful time to be doing what we're doing.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think you know the the skills that consultants generally historically have brought to bear against their client problems are, are in just widespread demand. Right, that pr- analytical problem solving you know it's it's it, you know i loved how shashi pointed out right like everyone's a consultant in a way right i mean those skill sets are are so necessary for so many things that we're trying to do today and it almost doesn't really matter if you're in a company or not right a lot of those skill sets are are similar in 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 problem solving so i don't know and I, I think you know like like we've said the um you know the the coefficient of static friction if you will of getting off what you're doing and doing something else right now seems a lot lower than it has been in a long time. Right. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I think you have to go back almost to the, you know, the, the 2000, the millennium, right. When, when, when there was all of that churn going on around the internet industry, there was so much different stuff happening. You know, I, I, in my view, it's, it's like a gold rush, really. If you, if you want to be, in this space, now's the time I think to to make that move or make that decision or leave the space for that matter, right? Um, as as some of us have done. So listen, um, I really appreciate uh, you guys taking the time. Thank you very much. I know we went a little bit over, but um, hey, you know, sometimes we go three hours, uh, but you know, it's, it's all right. Well, we'll we'll edit all that out and post right as the <laughs> as as Phil says. Uh, so I appreciate uh, the, the the guests that we had. Um, Obviously, uh, Phil, Oliver, Wendy, thank you for joining. Have a happy holiday. And we will see you guys in the new year. And we will see every one of you guys out there also in the new year for season five, which uh, I know we're teeing up a whole bunch of exciting things and good conversations. So thanks, everybody. Um, We'll see you again next time. Cheers.